Welcome to The Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of uh, partnering with the fine folks at Innovation Works for an interview with an educator, school leader, and emotional intelligence expert with over a decade of experience in education. She has written and implemented socio-emotional and mindfulness curriculums for schools, nonprofits, students, and educators. She is a dedicated mindfulness practitioner, the founder and CEO of Climb. Please welcome Ashley Williams. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you here. I've been like kind of circling, you know, being on LinkedIn, seeing stuff that's popping. I'm just like seeing your name out there a lot, seeing, you know, what you do out there a lot. So, you know, this is a, this is truly a treat and opportunity to, um, to learn something. I think I'm going to learn something here. Um, so I gave the, the copy and paste, right? You know, <laughs> none of my words were a part of that other than when I kind of combined socio-emotional economic that doesn't go together. Um, but there but, is a connection between your, you know, your emotional intelligence and your socioeconomic condition. So you are foreshadowing see, in that see, way. You. You've, you've done a podcast before. <laughs> Shout out to you. Um, but but could you, um, you know, introduce yourself and tell us about your biz and, you know, yeah. just tell us about things. Yeah, sure. Happy to do that. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Ashley, Ashley Williams, um, and I'm the founder and CEO of Climb. That's sort of like the entrepreneur story. Um, but at the heart, I'm just a human who really loves people. Um, and Climb is an extension of my love for, for people. I'm a wife. I have a nine-year-old kid. Um, I'm a really big fan of meditation and mindfulness. I absolutely love it. I discovered it about a decade ago and it changed my life. Um, so I talk about it a lot. <laughs> if you've talked with me for longer than 30 minutes, I'm sure it came up. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And, you know, my story in terms of the entrepreneurship journey um, begins like most people in entrepreneurship in my childhood. Um, I was always like thinking of ways to make money. <laughs> I used to deliver newspapers. Um, and then when I got to high school, I would sell candy. We were talking about how um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, know, you had a similar story. So I had a group of friends. This is sort of like a tangent, but um, I had a group of friends in my junior and senior years of high school. We wanted to take a, a trip after graduation uh, to Florida, but we didn't have any money and uh, our parents were not coming up off of those dollars. <laughs> so we would go to like a Costco or um, like a BJ's and we would buy candy in bulk and we would sell it throughout the school year. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we literally raised like $3,000. We paid in full for a trip for like five or six teenagers to travel to florida for a week to celebrate our graduation <laughs> wow that so mine's is similar um yeah. but it didn't have like trip and like cultural like benefits it was just like yeah i want to buy sneakers and um it, those size 13s are a tough sell for your parents it's like you have the biggest feet in the house you're not getting those so um you better figure <laughs> out a way and the wild thing is like going to the sam's club uh getting like the cases of like okay people like m ms i gotta get those uh people like honey buns and then my dad liked honey buns so he was just like going into my 
supplies. I'm like, yo, what are you? <laughs> He's like, oh, these are taxes. I was like, that's not how this works. He's like, you're going to learn today how business works. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, the, the very first check that I got, right, this is from delivering newspapers. Yeah. I brought a pair of felines. So it was, I was driven by sneakers. <laughs> oh, I dig it. There's some overlap here. That is some overlap. Yeah, some serious overlap. Um, So, like... And, and, and we, you were touching on it a bit there, and I think it if there if if it's uh, duplicitous, please please let me know. But uh, describe that entrepreneurial journey for you, like in in terms of maybe some highlights from kind of where you started. You touched on like you know being a kid and kind of going through some of that. Like it went from candy to mindfulness. So so tell me about <laughs> a little bit of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, it seems like a big leap, but both stimulate the brain. They both give you something. Um, So I think it's that mental stimulation that I was looking for, that serotonin. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so the mindfulness thing, you know, I I fell into mindfulness in post-college or even in college, later college, just as a way to explore a way for, for me to be steady. When I was in college, I suffered from clinical depression and I was looking for proactive approaches to manage what I was struggling with at the time. And mindfulness came up. So that's how I got started with mindfulness. And then entrepreneurship entered the scene way later. Um, When I was in a school, um, I was a director of climate and culture and I was responsible for the emotional health of the students. And um, it it was a balance, you know? And um, I would practice some of the techniques with my young people. And that led me to the science of emotional wellness, the science of emotional intelligence. And um, I looked at the market to see how were we teaching this to young people? Because, you know, my personal belief is that, um, and I've said this a thousand times, but every time I say it, I still resonate with it. Emotional intelligence is the first thing. It is the beginning of self-understanding. And if you can master yourself, you can master anything. And it's a learned skill. The same way that you learn how to structure a sentence, you can learn the skill of emotional intelligence. And if we give this gift to our young people at an early age, imagine what can happen in our society. So much of what we witness in the world is because people lack the skill of communication, (laughs) of empathy, Mm -hmm. of understanding. Right. And it just creates all of this chaos. It creates all of this misunderstanding. It affects the workforce. It affects um, economics. It affects how people engage with the criminal justice system. It affects mental health. So it, it touches so many, so many aspects of society um, that I thought it was a, a worthy enough mission to resign from my job and explore what it would look like to develop a resource that young people would want to engage with in that way. Um, I just wanted to help young people. I wanted to do something meaningful. And when I left my job, I didn't know anything about startup. I didn't know anything about technology, you know, about utilizing technology for good. I didn't know anything about using um, or developing a technology uh, tool for young people, but I, I I dove into it. You know, um, when I would speak to my friends at the time, I said, "I'm either going to fly or I'm going to fall. I'm going to find out really quickly which one is going to be." Yeah. <laughs> so I just threw myself totally into it. Um, I don't think that my entrepreneur story is unique. I think most entrepreneurs find a problem and they fall in love with it and they just tinker. Yeah. And I and I honestly believe that if you tinker with something long enough. 
it will work out. The fulcrum tips in the direction of our greatest effort every yeah. single time. And it took me years to kind of get the notice that we have now. Mostly people were telling me no. Mostly people were telling me this isn't going to work or there's already something like this, even when they weren't, because people just couldn't see the vision. And I had to learn that if I have a vision, if you have a vision, that vision is for you. And if you can see that vision within you is the path to execute that vision. And everybody is not going to understand that vision. And that's okay. Um, So I actually had to use these techniques. I had to use mindfulness. I had to lean in to the skill of emotional intelligence to navigate the nose, to navigate the entrepreneur journey. And I think entrepreneurship in itself requires a high level of self-awareness. a high level of self-reflection because it's that constant is this working is this not working and pivoting and course correcting and iterating and refining and taking feedback to meet the demands and the requests of the consumers of the product that you are creating or um if not a product the service um so i i really leaned into these skills in in my entrepreneurship yeah, it, I, and, and there's one thing that you touched on, I want to put a pen in and go back, but I, I wanted to mm-hmm. have a comment on what you said there, because you said some some things that definitely resonate with and connect to. Um, and I always describe like one's work, one's, uh, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's your, your, your art, because it's an art and culture podcast, um, that it's a living, breathing thing. So you're mm-hmm. always tinkering, you're always doing yeah. something with it. And another thing that I noticed, like I, I, I was in, uh, I was under, I was in therapy for like three years and my, my therapist was a, um, his, his philosophy was like mindful awareness. So mm-hmm. he connected with me cause we were both nerds and it was like Star Trek references and Japanese references. And I was one of those guys that would catastrophize everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember he was like, you know, one of the things that Bushido used to do. And I was like, oh, you're saying something in Japanese. This is going to really connect with me. <laughs> and one of those lessons um, that, you know, one of those conversations we had it still resonates with me. And I, I still look back at that of just like they would envision the worst possible outcome that the, these Japanese soldiers he was describing. And it's like, oh, well. You know, they would think like, I'm going to die in this way, you know, whatever it is, whatever the thing that they fear is, it's going to be the most like craziest version of it. Mm-hmm. And that way, it's just like, you know, it's not going to be that right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no way it's going to like a dragon's going to come out and eat you. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and it kind of prepares you to go in battle with like a different mindset. So I apply that to like if I'm doing like a if I'm going on stage to do a podcast, it still scares me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, a ch- something's going to come out of my chest like an alien like that movie aliens yeah. on, on the stage and then I'm going to just catch on fire. And someone's mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, this podcast is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I know it's not going to happen. And it kind of brings me back down and be like, all right, just visualize it. How's it going to mm-hmm. go down? What are you mm-hmm. going to do? What can you control? And you know, it, it's, it's, it's very impactful for me. And it's still something that I rely on like all the time actually. And it kind of mm-hmm. helps me cope and get through it as mm-hmm. an adult, find it like super later, like, I think I may have like kind of got into that maybe 10 years ago and doing a deep dive. Um, a lot of Alan Watts lectures. Yeah. <laughs> along I with mean, that. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're highlighting something really brilliant and beautiful, and it's in all humans experience this, whether we're entrepreneurs or not, but it's just how the mind can complexify and create these stories that once we identify with them, man, it's going to be a very rocky <laughs> drive, a very rocky road. And then having the resources and the technique, mm-hmm. the awareness of yeah. like, what are those mental patterns? And then to create space and to ground yourself. So yeah. that's sort of like what the purpose of Calm is. Um, so Calm is an emotional wellness software for young people. Mm-hmm. And we help them to identify emotional experiences and how to self-regulate through yeah. really challenging emotional experiences. And a part of um, doing that is being able to identify your mental patterns, your thought patterns, and the ones that you connect yourself with that drive us to feel anxiety, that drive us to feel discomfort, that drive us to, you know, doubt and to believe really absurd things, um, which can stifle our development once we attach ourselves to them. So, yeah, I mean, look, I know all about (laughs) catastrophizing. (laughs) And it's it's like a muscle. Like, again, when when he it is very much like a muscle. Yeah. When he threw out this notion, he's like, oh, you were good with that. You got past that thing that was triggering you. Now, um, here's something new. You're ready for the next class. You're going for this black belt now. Mm-hmm. And they would get so wild. And now, as I look back on some of those things, you don't really forget them. They just have less uh, less of an impact, less of a, a, a catching kind of thing on you. That's right. Uh, he described it as a stream. He's like, you know how much stuff goes down a stream? He's like, you're only getting certain pieces of it. He's like, it's fine. It, that's it's right. Literally, that's what it is. That's and right. One of the things also that you touched on, and I'm seeing this more and more now, when you're expressing really what you're doing, like um, I shared with you a little bit about a spinoff thing that I'm doing mm-hmm. and having to articulate the vision of someone, it's it's such a challenge. And I feel at times like, all right, is this worth it? Am I explaining this right? Am I bugging? Like, is this something I should be doing? Mm-hmm. And just relying on it like, no, no, this is my vision. Mm-hmm. And if they don't get it, it's not for them to get So I I like the way that you describe that. Yeah. And, you know, I also learned in the journey that the vision never changes, meaning the destination, but the methodology of getting there Mm. does. Sometimes it requires some pivoting, some iterating, some course correction, but the destination doesn't change. And the more that I talk about the vision, the greater clarity is associated with the vision, if that makes sense as well, because it, it just touches people in a new way. Like, okay, I've, I've talked about it in this way and that didn't actually work. I'm the only person who understands. <laughs> <laughs> and if the goal is to share this resource called Calm with the world, which it is, you know, we're very um, mission driven um, on our website. Our mission is to spread happiness through emotional wellness, you yeah. know, starting with young people. And in order to do that, we have to get young people on the platform. <laughs> you know, I have this grand vision for what a product like Clom can do. I believe that a product like Clom can literally transform how we operate as a society. I mean that with everything in me. And in order for that to happen, we have to get users on the platform. Yeah. And so that is on me to be able to communicate the vision in an intelligent and understandable way so that people People can um, resonate with it so that we can get youth users on it. And that means that in the moments where what I'm saying is not connecting to a person, if they don't get it or they don't like it or they don't understand it, I'm not moved by that. I'm not wanting to lay down and give up and say, oh, this isn't worth it. You know, (laughs) I just understand that um, 
some of us get in and some of us don't. Everything doesn't taste good to everybody. You know, we all yeah. have different palates. Yeah. And, you know, in doing this and as I, you know, describing what the mission of this podcast is and how it grew out, I, I remember it was a few people who would just be in my ear. You get those times where you're like, all right, who do I talk to? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. having I'm having a moment. And they were like, I just don't think people are going to get it. And it's like and that's OK. It's like that's you okay. get it, you're enjoying it. And yeah. it's just like you're, it's over people's heads right now. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, talk more, talk more. Now I'm feeling gassed up. You know, I mean, a- you got to think about this. Yeah. Everything that exists, everything that you can see and engage with at some point, it existed in somebody's head. Mm-hmm. Somebody could not conceptualize it. So as entrepreneurs, as visionaries, as artists, as creatives, when we're developing something, a lot of time we're ushering forth something that hasn't even been seen before. That hasn't been, you know, that no human has engaged with. So there is not that framework of understanding. Like, of course, they don't see it because yeah. the seed of it is inside of you. Um, so all of this in existence is kind of like what was once a vision and now it's in fruition and people can understand it. But imagine, you know, um, Ford saying that, you know, we're going to have mechanical horses. (laughs) People were probably like, you are a fool and a madman. It's impossible. Boo this man, throw tomatoes at him. Boo this man. (laughs) (laughs) Or even the idea of like rhythm spoons. No, that's that's stupid. Never mind. (laughs) That was really stupid. so I want to I want to throw this one out there again. This might be a copy and paste from somewhere. Uh, so I read that it's a, a statistic out there about you know uh, mental health disorders, behavioral and emotional challenges are growing and growing. And you touched on it a little bit with mm-hmm. you know how it taxes healthcare, criminal justice system, even the workforce. And I think mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of that now with the, the great resignation. Like yeah. people aren't yeah. leaving purely because of money. It's like no, yeah. this is taxing. This is hard. This is um, hard. And there seems to be a discussion um, around it, like is it to be colloquial about it. Seems like people are suddenly now we're good with mental health stuff. Let's talk about it. Let's lean in, guys. Mm-hmm. But I think we're kind of behind on that matter. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, like what you're doing is definitely something that's needed. And what Climb does is definitely something that's been needed. And you're filling in one of those gaps. Um, could you share your thoughts on uh, addressing those challenges specifically, like in the, the, the black community, if we're, we're being honest about it? Because that's sometimes those conversations are weird. I don't go to therapy because, you, you know, you know, you might be crazy. It's like I'm not. Though. I'm, I'm actually doing right by myself. <laughs> you know, I am not a historian, nor am I a psychologist, but I am a human with a perspective that I will share. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> good, good way to preface that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so look, I think that particularly when it comes to African-Americans in this country who are the descendants of Africans who arrived from Africa as enslaved um, beings by Europeans, there's a lot of trauma. <laughs> You know, um, 1865 rolls around. There's an Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 that says, you guys are free. That's it. (laughs) Hard stop. You guys are free. You guys are free. (laughs) We're done. We're done. No addressing, I mean, uh, of anything, of the generations of trauma. Yeah. And so Black folks have, you know, also I always think of Black people Black Americans as possessing the ultimate entrepreneurial spirit, spirit, the ability to make something out of nothing, (laughs) the ability to envision, even when there's nothing in front of you without resources to create, to, to strive, to grow, to blossom. And so that's what Black folks did. But, you know, survival 
when you're living from hand to mouth, you know, you're not thinking about your mental health. <laughs> you're not thinking about your mental health. And I think that, of course, all of the trauma that's associated with our experience in this country has affected our our brains and our our biologies. This has literally affected our health. Yeah. It's affected our life outcomes. And so that's passed from generation to generation. And now, you know, we're in a space where we're having the conversation about the significance of mental health. But I think that the reason that we did not in previous generations, I mean, when I, I mentioned earlier that I was depressed in, in college, and even in my family, it was just like, you can't be depressed. Like, you know, we take a licking and we keep on kicking. You know, it's like, like, you sure about that? <laughs> are you sure you're not depressed? Like we, you know, we don't get depressed. We survive. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And I'm also not feeling great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I think I think so much of the black experience, not even so much, the black experience in this country has informed our mental and physical health in negative ways. And I think it's very empowering that for the most part, we are taking back um, or shifting that narrative and we are seeking out resources and connecting it to sort of the the larger resignation, you know, enough. My my self-care matters. I matter. What's happening to me matters. And I think that's a very... Um, a very powerful conversation that I totally support. So I feel like I I was all over the place with that response, no, 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 <laughs> but no, no. I think I landed somewhere that I intended to land. No, I, I think you, <laughs> I think you answered it very well, yeah. and I'll I'll add this this piece to it because yeah, I'm always one of those. You don't get sick. You go to work. You do your thing. Yeah, and you know, always getting those attendance awards, going to school like little plastic <laughs> trophy. It's like, yeah, I didn't miss one day, and now you can't do that. It's like, all right, that's kind of irresponsible. <laughs> you yeah. were sick. You should stay home. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember it was probably like two years ago where. Uh, I got to that point around this time, actually, where enough was enough. And I didn't feel like that guilt whenever I would take a day when I was like, eh, I'm not really feeling great. Stress is my thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, nah, I'm not feeling great. I don't think I should go in. And it was around George Floyd. It was around. I was like, nah, I'm taking literally and, and saying it in the in the truest sense. I need some clarity today. I'm not mm-hmm. going to go in and deal mm-hmm. with anybody's spreadsheet. You know, it's just I'm for that spreadsheet that I need to deal with how I'm feeling and how I'm processing uh, this, these these emotions that, you know, we're all, I think, in a unified sort of way, we're all like seeing this and we're all having our different responses to it. We don't have that time, mm-hmm. you know, the way that this country is set up in some ways. It's the rat race is keep pushing through. Keep on yeah, going. I mean, it, it honestly connects to sort of the, the story of, of um, African-Americans in this country. You know, you're a cog in a machine. Mm-hmm. You are a um, chattel, <laughs> yeah, yeah. three fifths. And so what matters is your physicality. What can mm-hmm. you produce? How can you help me grow wealthy? And yeah. that also sort of applies to this capitalistic system. Um, we don't think about our well-being in that same way. Um, our mental well-being is as important to our functioning as our physical well-being. Yeah. And our physical well-being in certain workspaces only is important when it's limited, when I'm unable, when I'm sick, when my back hurts. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, your physicality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But otherwise, the physicality is used to the direction of like generating money, um, income 
for a corporation. And that's sort of been how this country has established itself yeah. um, since the since the beginning. So all of us, really, all Americans are reframing and rethinking what does it mean for me to have a healthy life that's meaningful for me, that's outside of this paradigm mm -hmm. that we have been living under since this country's inception of I work. And my worth is tied, my value as yeah. a human is tied to my work productivity. Yeah. Right to what I can produce. So that's a very, that's a flaw, a flawed premise that we have as Americans been taught since mm -hmm. we arrived in this country. You we, know, we, we have a built-in depreciation attached called retirement. That's right. It's like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, you should probably retire. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, I got a few more for you. Um, so let's see. Uh, so as an educator, professional working with young folks. Uh, what sorts of challenges are they encountering? Because I think, you know, a lot of the way that you described your, your work, you're kind of like talking with folks or engaging with folks like earlier before it gets to that thing where you just sit on it and it's like there and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I don't know why, why yeah. I feel this way and so on. So what sorts of experiences or conversations are you engaged with through the, through the platform? Um, that that young folks are kind of dealing with on a regular basis because i haven't been young for a while i don't know what's happening in the streets yeah you know the u.s surgeon general just issued a warning about a mental health crisis among americans youth mm -hmm. one out of five that's 20 million american youth experience some sort of mental emotional behavioral health issue mm. um and the numbers the statistics tell us that when a young person has those experiences, they're more likely to experiment with substances, um, like to have substance abuse issues. They're more likely to engage with the criminal justice system. So you could say that, I, I was ready to say post-pandemic, but I don't know how accurate that is. And you could say that <laughs> since the pandemic. <laughs> phase four, um, what have you. Yeah, phase four of the pandemic, um, the emotional and mental health of our young people is is in a detrimental state. And that's for a number of reasons. Um, earlier in the pandemic, when a lot of them were home, they just suffered not having that level of engagement with their peers. Um, their whole routines were upended. Then there's a lot of talk around the effects of social media on you know young brains and how they process information and um, the the lack that it causes within them, the feeling of lack, that I'm not enough, the comparison culture. Um, so CLOM exists to support them through those very complex circumstances. And, and the way that it works is that CLOM provides resources. So, you know, I often, often describe it as like a toolbox of resources that they can carry around in their pockets, coping yeah. techniques that they can carry around in their pockets when I'm having a moment of, you know, comparison and it doesn't feel good. Yeah. How to identify that pattern, how to stop that pattern, how to um, utilize and reach for another tool to help me pivot um, if I'm feeling anxiety. Mm -hmm. So it's like in the moment that I'm having anxious thoughts I can reach for this tool, but even before I get to the stage where I'm having an anxious thought, I am learning what this process is that's happening to me, and I am learning tools that I can utilize when it does happen. That's big. 
That's 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 huge. And I wish it was something I had as a young person. Man, me too. <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> I mean, I think even the you know we we run into it. Like I'm in my I'm in my thirties, and we even I think we even run into it where somebody mentioned to me like leave social media alone as soon as you get up. You know, it's like mm-hmm. as soon as you get the first thing, you're you're at your truest state. You don't have any of the the masks that you put on during the course of the day just to try to like navigate. You're just mm-hmm. like at your truest form, you know, and first thing you do is get on social media and you see kind of the the facade that's there, the, mm-hmm. the curated sort of like this is the life you should be living, loser. And it's like <laughs> it's not how it works. <laughs> So I've been trying to implement that because I I see some of those things, but I think in going through it and having different practices that I implement, I'm I'm able to better catch it. But also I'm in my thirties and I'm not a young person in that that way where I haven't developed those skills yet. So I think having climb right there in your hand, you know, is is very useful and very big. Um, So tell me, tell me how the climb and innovation works come together. Tell me about that relationship. Yeah, so I connected with Innovation Works, man, I want to say like two and a half, maybe three years ago. Um, I'm not really good with remembering dates, so I could be off by 12 whole months. Um, <laughs> and at the time, we were not yet climb. Um, We were called Infinite Focus Schools. Same idea, um, just not as refined. Mm-hmm. And I actually met with Jay. So um, one of my advisors introduced me to Jay. And he explained to me all of the really amazing resources that Innovation Works offers to entrepreneurs. And um, I just have to say that Innovation Works has been a phenomenal and critical partner yeah. to climb and in helping us to scale, helping us to grow in terms of putting us in touch with the right mentors. And um, they're just a phenomenal organization, truly, for Baltimore City yeah. and um, folks in the city who are interested in tinkering <laughs> to, to come back to that word <laughs> with an idea that they want to see in the world um as it as it relates to business yeah innovation matters um and it, it's one of those questions that i had of you know do we put you know enough attention enough focus towards innovation and you know as a as a person that has a relationship with innovation works as well Yes, mm-hmm. uh, they are very helpful and crucial in helping grow. Like I have a mentor that I work with. Uh, they've reached out and they hit me with something mm-hmm. about podcasting the other day. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Thanks for sending mm-hmm. this over. Now I can follow up on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now that we've gotten all of the real conversation stuff out of the way, now it's time to ruin all of the goodwill I've established, by the way. <laughs> I've been asking you when I feel this deep question. Now, it's time to get into some rapid fire questions. All righty, let's do it. All right. Now, don't overthink these because I know that. Are they, are they rapid fire responses? Yes. Yes, <laughs> <Okay>. they are. <laughs> um, so I'll give you some context for this first one. Mm-hmm. Um, some 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 people get it when they're walking. Some people get it when they're showering. Some of the, the, the more boring, mundane things. Um, mm-hmm. When do you get your best ideas? I get my best ideas when I'm washing the dishes. I swear to God, everything that's like really interesting happens after washing the dishes. That's legit. <laughs> I've been getting them on flights recently. I've been having to pull out the notepad and like, I gotta write this yeah. down. Yeah. When, I, when I went through the questions that I sent you, half of them were written on the plane yesterday. <laughs> uh, describe your leadership style in three words. My leadership style is to step back, to listen and allow. 
okay, this this next one is funny um, to me. Bigger stressor, the DMV or the TSA? Ooh, That's a tough one, isn't it? This, yeah, I'm gonna have to say the DMV. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, now these last ones, these last two are, are my favorite. Uh, what's your favorite pick me up? My favorite pick me up is I actually have it sitting with me here. It is um, their cookies. They are grain free because I don't do um, gluten and they're no sugar added because I don't do additive sugars. They're chocolate chip cookies. Mm. I love them. I'll go to mom's and get them if I ever feel like I need a little treat. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. I'm here yeah. for it. Uh, here's, here's the last one. Um, what's your favorite movie? Hmm. You know, I don't do favorites. I know this is not the response that you're looking for. Or, or the last movie you watched. I, I, people have hit me with that a few times. Yeah. And it, it makes sense. It's kind of like what I'm, what I'm enjoying right now. Okay, so the yeah. last movie that I watched... Man, I don't, I don't know. watch I, movies. No, <laughs> I'm not saying that I don't watch no, movies, really but don't. I haven't like watched a movie in a while. I'm more of like a um, television show person. Okay. Um, the last movie that I think I watched was Encanto, though, with my with my daughter. Okay. Yeah. That's, that doesn't have that song. Um, it says one song I know they played during maybe the Grammys, what have you. That's it's a bit of a bop. Like it, yeah. yeah, they had the, the movie is known for its, its music. Lin Manuel Miranda, he's a he's a wonderful uh, composer and writer. Good stuff, good stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have for the rapid fire questions and all of the questions actually. So one, I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to um, share anything you want. The floor is yours. Telephone folks where to check you out, check out Climb. But you know anything you feel like we didn't really key in on, the floor is yours. Awesome. Um, okay, so if you want to learn more about Climb, our emotional health software for young people, you can visit our website. It's www.climb, that's C-L-Y-M-B, up, U-P, climbup, dot I-O. Um, and if you want to reach out, you can hit the contact button. Um, and that's all I got. This is a really wonderful opportunity to, to talk to you, Rob, and uh, share more about myself and then about Climb. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, and big shout out to Innovation Works um, for yeah. kind of making this this happen. This was great. Yeah. Um, so for Ashley Williams, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is um, community entrepreneurship um, and just just people doing great things in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Howdy. Rob Lee here, your friendly neighborhood podcaster. And I wanted to tap in real quick for two reasons. One, to thank you again for checking out this podcast, subscribing, sharing, all of that good stuff. And two, I wanted to introduce this week's theme. We're uh, working with some local businesses. Um, it's a partnership with myself and Innovation Works. What's Innovation Works, you might be asking? Well, let me tell you. Innovation Works is a Baltimore-based nonprofit with the mission to reduce Baltimore's neighborhood and racial wealth divide by supporting and accompanying leaders of social enterprises working to create sustainable neighborhood economies. Their strategy includes identifying and supporting social entrepreneurs, focusing on neighborhood-based strategies, leveraging social enterprise business models to increase economic activity, and solving critical social challenges in communities by leveraging the lived experiences of those living in and from those communities. So big shout out to the folks over there at Innovation Works. Find out more about them at iwbmore.org.